Hello, and thank you so much for tuning into the Education Burrito, a podcast that unwraps the everyday challenges in learning and teaching in education, exploring the ins and outs and highs and lows and different pedagogy approaches, enhancing student engagement amongst everything in education. My name is Q Sum, and each episode I'll be joined by special guests as we unwrap the Education Burrito. I'm super excited to be joined in this episode by someone who is a entrepreneur, a consultant alongside a full-time day job, an experienced media personnel previously featuring regularly on Rip Off Britain, Truth or Scare, Channel 5 News, BBC Breakfast News, BBC Radio Sheffield Manchester, BBC Radio 5, Granada, Television and Calendar News in Sheffield. They also have written numerous articles for local and national magazines and newspapers. To top it off, they awarded a National Teaching Fellowship in 2018. I've got to mention the most important thing, and that is they are the founder of MetMunch and Grow Meat Free Cafe, where it has evolved from a successful pop-up platform into a dynamic, passionate social enterprise forging commercial and community partnerships. I hope you can guess who is with me on the show today. It's a fantastic Halle Morvej. Wow, Halle, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Q. That's a lovely introduction. Thank you for that. <laughs> well, you've done so much thing, and I thought just to give us all a bit of um, flavour, you know. <laughs> Thank you so much. That, that's lovely. Thank you very much. You know, I'm very humbled by, by, by that bio that, um, you know, somehow you managed to put together. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I think just start us off with there. What one interesting thing have you done recently? I think the most interesting thing that we've done with the Matt Munch project, because, you know, kind of it's really difficult to, to talk about me as a person without the whole concept of Matt Munch. So I think Matt Munch and I, you know, kind of like are, are one entity with this amazing bunch of students and kind of a staff. Sometimes I feel I feel I belong to this kind of community and this massive you know, movement. And actually it was the Mental Health Awareness Week that we did sort of a few months ago in the middle of lockdown where we worked with our students who uh, were cooking, you know, fantastic recipes. I was the nutritionist putting the nutritional information together. The chefs of university were helping us. And then we had the MMU counseling, giving us guidance on mindfulness, using creativity, art, and other, you know, fantastic ways of relaxing. So yes, we might be separated uh, or socially distanced, but actually I have never felt closer to people because of the technology so I think with everything that's happening in the world we can't really do much other than really embrace it and I think you know what I've gone through we've embraced the technology students have really risen up the the standards and you know the colleagues that I work with are just some of the best people so it, you know, I think that's been my highlight in the last few months. Mm. Well, that's brilliant. I think it's great to hear what you've done. And I myself have been following the fantastic work that you've been doing on all things creative. And from what I have experienced from observing from afar, you know, I mean, literally miles away and to chatting to you previously, you have done so much to bring the creativity, you know, the innovative, the entrepreneurial skills from outside of the classroom and embedding it right into the heart of the teaching curriculum. I mean, we could spend a whole day chatting about everything that you do, but perhaps for this episode only, and perhaps we can invite you back on the show later on as well. 
we can perhaps explore the importance of the entrepreneurial skills for students and how has it enriched learning and teaching. So maybe to start us off then, how did you first got involved with the, the work that you've been doing at Manchester Metropolitan? I, you know, I had my own clinic uh, before arriving at ManMet and, and when I first arrived at ManMet, I really did not know much about academia other than my own experiences of having um, academics teaching me at Sheffield University. My BSc and MEDSci are, you know, in biomedical science and nutritional sciences. So it was, you know, kind of my experiences were just kind of like, okay, academics do a certain kind of thing. They write journals. They wear tweed, um, they wear little caps and comfy shoes and, you know, kind of like do amazing research, you know, and, and, and actually I didn't think much about the teaching part of it. I had some guests speaking a slot at Sheffield University, School of Nursing and other places where you just go in, do one session and get out. So I wouldn't consider myself, you know, kind of a, an academic when I arrived at university. And I remember the first few weeks I was just very quiet and very unusual to believe that, you know, quiet listening and just taking the, the atmosphere in. And I remember it was probably like after the first year when I realized that they've given me units. One of them was called integrated assignment, which was probably the basis for an enterprise unit. And they said the students really hated the unit. They didn't like it. They were scoring it really low. And this is now your unit as a new lecturer. And I remember sort of like looking at it thinking, this is really boring for me. And I need to really jazz it up. I need it to be alive and connected and really exciting. So people's minds and souls are on fire when they do this unit. I mean, it took me a few years before I managed to change the name. Um, so it became an enterprise and research unit. At the time, it was called Integrated Assignment, which was, you know, consisted, I think, of factory visit. And that was, you know, kind of like the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey and enterprise education within the curriculum where, you know, I changed that unit and I made it about setting up a business. The students had, you know, six months to come up with a concept, it was linked to our faculty you know, KPIs and the, the health and well-being and nutrition and, you know, even actually make it profitable. So they had to sell. And one of the most successful, you know, concepts was something called pizza, which is pita bread pizza sold for a pound. And I never forget the excitement of the students when they sold a thousand pounds of pita bread pizza in the foyer of our faculty. And honestly, one of those students ended up becoming an entrepreneur, loving the, the challenge and, you know, the, the sparkle in the eyes and the competitiveness and the teamwork and everything about it was so alive that you know other lecturers were coming to me saying your students are following us to the toilets and selling us you know lunch and salads and noodles and and ideas were so amazing some of those assignments i actually still got them when the students sometimes don't collect their assignments i don't know you know lecturers recycle them but i've actually kept on to them because they are so good so every group did something more amazing than the other. And I just, at that moment, I just thought, yes, I came to university with entrepreneurial background, expecting 
to change, but I need to change the curriculum to fit in with an entrepreneurial mindset because this enhances self-esteem, self-confidence, the sense of purpose, the environment that is really connected to the outside world. This is not theory. This is live. This is exciting. And actually, you know, students were excited, but I was more excited. So which meant that I wasn't doing a repetitive way of teaching. So the pedagogy came alive and every year it became, you know, very specific to the students that were designing it. And actually that same year I received the first enterprise fellowship award of a 5,000 pounds from the vice chancellor which I spent on creating something called I Think Manuals, which was about thinking about future of you know, where students wanted to go with their employability. And, and actually that probably was the beginning, the little seeds that actually started years of doing enterprise, social entrepreneurship, students as partners, building a community, linking with the community, and actually a lot more. Oh, wow. That's... Um... What a story, right? So I think you've really touched upon, you know, how you got to there. But what kind of influences your work so far, Hallie? How do you stay so motivated and kind of full of energy all the time? I think, you know, entrepreneurs are intrinsically motivated. No one puts any pressure on us. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And, you know, I've seen this trait in quite a few of my students, some of my colleagues, you know, we're definitely not perfect in any shape or form, even though from outside, it looks as if everything is amazingly kind of like going well, but it's actually being able to deal with chaos and, you know, kind of creating something amazing from the chaos of creativity, because creativity is chaotic. Creativity is quite dramatic. Creativity, yes, sometimes comes to you when you are at your calmest or just before for your sleep or whatever books you read, you know, about creativity. But I think creativity is something you have to do very similar to enterprise because you can learn about enterprise. You can read about it. You can read as many books about enterprise, but actually it takes two minutes of selling something or, you know, pitching something to someone to realize if someone has got what it takes to take an idea, a creative idea or a concept from an idea a proper implementation. So I think, you know, the impact that my projects have had on a student is one of the biggest drivers. When I get the feedback from a student saying, I went to an interview and I talked about the creative project we did with bees or with edible soil or with you know space food from nasa or insect sushi and you know kind of like the the people who interview my students sort of saying what project have you been doing can you replicate this in our organization you know at first i was just thinking what what's going on you know like we we created this but actually you know we created this about seven years ago so if people are wanting to kind of like utilize those ideas you know let let them do it because actually we moved on so that that is a biggest motivation that that feedback that kind of like it's a bit like a a, a loop a, a feedback loop that enthusiasm that excitement of students is like passed on to me 
And at first I was working with my own students and I still probably majority of the people that join our movement are interested in food and nutrition and nutritional sciences. But actually in increasingly in the last three or four years, we've had the students from law, from multimedia journalism, from school of theater, from sport, from, you know, uh, business school who want to kind of like come and join us because of food but also because they're interested in the community that we have built it's a very um you know another thing that keeps me excited is the diversity of our community it's the it's the openness of you know kind of like anything is allowed everything okay within reason you know nothing legal and nothing against not, nothing illegal and nothing against the rules of the world um anything to do with no limit to thinking, no limit to imagination. Students can think completely without fear of failure. And actually we, we give them a platform to, to experiment and actually sometimes even fail. So we take pride in our failure because if you're not failing, you're not doing anything. So I think that definitely keeps me going because you just think, well, I failed here or this has been successful. I can continue with this. It's, it's that purpose. I think you have to have purpose. You know, education is not about regurgitation of information and some theoretical things or some papers uh, and, you know, making peer people frightened of the future and, you know, are you going to get employability or not? You know, kind of like, you know, w what's going to be your first job? What money are you going to get? And all that kind of stuff. Education is putting people's souls on fire and really making them believe that they can do anything because they've got something called a brain and they've got the rest of, you know, that human motivation that makes us, you know, I don't know, some, you know, kind of like really unique. We are all little miracles. And I think kind of like sometimes with younger people, you just have to shine the light on that miracle of, you know, kind of potential that they've got. So for me, every single person is different. I get to know every single student like a story and I love to see where this story goes. So I continue working with them beyond graduation. It's, it's a 24 seven job. So if anybody wants to do this, I give them, you know, a disclaimer that, you know, just be prepared to just immerse yourself hundred percent soul and life. This is not a tick box exercise. This is a, a passion, so you have to do it a huge amount of energy and motivation because if you don't believe in it, no one will believe and no one will want to want to be part of your community. Wow, I'm just like, so, I feel like I'm with you on this journey, Hallie. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you or to our listeners who are listening right now, but I'm just, I've got this energy, like, <laughs> just feel, feeling this Hallie's Hallie's energy like here and I, I just don't know what to do with it but yeah wow what a what a speech I think you feel like you need to be a, like a, a TEDx speaker or something or well just to coach other students and coach others with this passion that you have for for teaching really um, well you know kind of like you, you always call it the Harlem mojo so I need to keep the mojo up um you know again you know kind of I mean sometimes you Sometimes you wake up in the morning and you're not as energetic as your other days. Sometimes I actually have to tone it down because, you know, <laughs> most people kind of like think, "Woo, that's a lot of energy, um, you know, but, but I think kind of like if you get up, get 
out of bed every single morning thinking what's going to come my way how am i going to deal with this challenge today and you know really go at it with 100% i think even if you fail you've at least failed beautifully and glamorously and then you can learn from that and you know get back up again the next day yeah definitely agree i think if we kind of move on now um and talk about the entrepreneurial skills that you've mentioned and you know, the skills for students to really develop whilst at university. And you mentioned about MetMunge and, and the, the, the Grow Me Free Cafe as well. What do you think about the importance of entrepreneurial skills for students whilst at university? Do you think they should have them? Well, absolutely. I actually think one of the biggest you know, skills or actually one of the many skills that probably we do at MedMunch and we do need more of it in 21st century is you know, kind of enterprise education and entrepreneurship, which is mixed with creativity. Many entrepreneurs are very creative. They have a can-do attitude. They are, you know, they can work with uncertainty. And guess what? We are in the middle of COVID-19 crisis. So uncertainty is like completely surrounding us every single day. So that these are, you know, the skills that entrepreneurs have. Um, and, and I don't think you're born with enterprise skills or entrepreneurship. You might actually have had, you know, a, a, a sort of environment that helps you become more entrepreneurial. If you've got parents or, you know, siblings that are enterprising, then you might have seen it since childhood. But I think you can learn it. And I think people who don't think they've got it, very similar to creativity, because when you talk about creativity, people just think, oh, well, I can't paint because, you know, and, and it's not about art. It's it's not about you know painting or it's not about becoming Michelangelo and the same thing applies to enterprise and uh, entrepreneurial skills that you know people think that you have to be Alan Sugar or Richard Branson or some other you know or Bill Gates or someone like that but actually you know being enterprising could be you know someone in a tiny village in africa selling beautiful baskets that they've created entrepreneurship is someone who's on etsy selling you know little flowers and and being entrepreneurial means that you always have a backup plan that you always have you know kind of like ideas that helps you and you know it's not always about money you know if you go into enterprise and you think oh well, i'm going to make a million and my first priority is that you will be very disappointed sometimes it takes 40 years to become an overnight success so the priority should be your purpose and this this is why I'm really glad that we have we have now seen a new breed of entrepreneurs coming on the scene possibly in the last five years called social entrepreneurs we are and i i relate to being a social entrepreneur we want to do things that actually have very positive impact on the world and this is why the sustainability element and saving our planet and doing things with food and nutrition that really affect our overall you know kind of sustainability is is completely linked with what i'm doing and i think this this is this is why it's difficult sometimes to define who I am, what I do, and actually what MetMunch is all about, because it is a complicated business model of sustainability, wellness, nutrition, food, public engagement, global citizenship, and you know, thinking out of the box, creativity. So it's so many different things coming together, but actually, ultimately, it is about you know, doing rather than thinking, rather than, oh God, I'll do it tomorrow. It, it is about going, getting, putting yourself 
out there and doing it day in, day out. Don't they say like you need 10,000 hours for mastery? I, I wouldn't really put a number on it, but I would say based on my experiences of last 10 years and probably a little bit longer with life and other things that I've done, um, that actually the more you do something, the better you get at it. So the best way to, to, to kind of like do enterprise is to actually do it not talk about it, not read about it, not kind of like dip your toe in it, but actually doing it, even if it's tiny. So education, as we know it, you know, kind of like is, is not fit for purpose. You know, sitting in a classroom is not enough to get students thinking how they can use their skills. So, you know, early days of Met Munch, I would take annual leave and push a trolley full of fruits and veg and go to a shopping center and talk to like 500 people per day from 9 a.m. till 9 p.m with you know swollen feet and coming back and I was actually doing it with my students and I think that taught them a lot more about sustainable diets and the barriers of what was holding people back than actually me sitting there sitting in a in a classroom in a lecture theater and talking about it so you know experiential learning is amazing and I highly recommend it to any educators. And it doesn't have to be, you know, about going to shopping centers. It could even be just going down the road, going and exploring the, 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 the areas of your own university. So it's about pushing the boundaries and limits. And all of these skills are what we need for future, for the planet, and for better education. Education has to be holistic. So you can't just say the education bit is what you see in a, in a, on a PowerPoint presentation or what you see, um, you know, in, in, in someone's exam papers. And, and, you know, we, we take, you know, we take that journey a lot further into, you know, kind of like, what is it that you really want? And even if you discover that you're not good at public engagement or you're not good at, um, I don't know, um, you know, whatever craft that we are doing in Grow a Cafe or you don't know how to design a salad or your labeling is not you know, the, the right thing. You still are doing and learning. So, you know, you, you have to do it. So I know I sound a bit like Nike advert, but it's like, just do it. I think that is, you know, that is the, the future of education. We don't need to teach education. We, students need to do education. Wow. Wow. I think that that's brilliant. I think educating people is always one of the keys to tell people stuff. And you've really mentioned about the benefits for students to develop the entrepreneurial skills whilst at university, you know, getting the understanding of what the sector is doing, understanding themselves, understanding how they could apply the theory into practice. But what do you think are the risks that can bring into the educational spaces? Um, yeah, if, if you are the only entrepreneur within a, a sort of like a science setting or within a, you know, a, a sort of like a more structured setting, it could be really upsetting for your colleagues could be kind of like maybe the fear of unknown really kind of like, you know, can make them kind of a bit uncomfortable. Um, and actually, you know, the entrepreneurs are all about like the, the kind of skills that they do, like critical thinking, problem solving, that the kind of like the storytelling communication. But the big part of being entrepreneurial is the risk taking. 
and I, and I have to say, all the risks I've taken are calculated risks. I mean, I am a scientist after all. So I do weigh up, you know, what kind of risk I'm taking. So I will never, ever, for example, put anyone's health and safety at risk. Touch wood, we have never had anyone chop a finger or, you know, kind of we have never poisoned anyone because actually I'm in charge of the risk assessments. So, you know, some of the, the sort of like problems is like barriers, you know, structural barriers. If you're at the earliest stages of, you know, enterprise education and you are trying to do something to prove that this is an innovative idea, you will get a lot of blockages, a lot of fear. I think fear is a major factor with all entrepreneurs. When you look at the stories of any innovators, you know, and again, I don't consider myself at all at any high level or anything, but like tiny little risk taking and innovation um, is, is that fear of unknown uh, and people wanting you to give them all the answers. But this is the issue. You don't know the answers or at least all of them them you can predict some of them but because it's unpredictable and uncertain and each student population is going to have their own way of doing things you can't give all the answers to your head of department and reassure them that yes this unit is going to be amazing because and everybody is going to give you feedback and also i think our society has become so much about data and so much about feedback data that that our this you know that if, if you push the students so that they are learning, you will always be like afraid, oh my God, am I going to have like a really bad NSS, really, really bad internal survey, you know, kind of feedback. And as my colleague Chrissy once said, sometimes when you push a students completely out of their comfort zone, they're not going to be happy with it. So if they write back on, on a feedback that I hated this, I really didn't think it was worth my time being this creative, that's actually quite good. So, you know, kind of, uh, and, 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 and we, again, as lecturers and educators, we shouldn't be afraid of neg negative feedback. Negative feedback. I mean, if it is something serious about, I don't know, the way you're doing things, then yeah, I definitely, you know, has to be taken on board. But if it is about, oh my God, this was too creative, or I came here to do science and now you're teaching me to be creative. And I've had those kind of feedback. I think one of the most interesting one I've ever had was Hale Moravec is too too enthusiastic for a nine o'clock lecture on Monday in the, in the middle of February. So actually, you know, kind of, and, 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 and it was dark outside, it was raining, it was Manchester after all, and if that is a negative feedback, I'll take it on board and I will be even more enthusiastic next time. So, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, we cannot please everyone. And I think educators should really build up their own confidence and their own beliefs by working with other inspirational people. And, you know, and, and actually for me, that has definitely been Chrissy uh, Narazzi from our uh, University Teaching Academy and, and also other colleagues, you know, kind of some people in fashion, some people in, in the School of Theatre, when you've got those people around you, you just think, okay, I'm not the only creative here. I, I can push the boundaries. I'm actually proving your concept. I think if people don't believe you the first time, keep proving, keep doing, keep getting better. And then there will come a point where people just say, okay, I, I, can, I can see what you guys are doing. Do you want to join us? And I think that's what happened when we had the Grow Cafe for about nine years. We, I think, yeah, we were, we were just working in parallel with our catering team. And I think they didn't want to, to kind of like bring it all together. And when we had a new head of catering, it all came together. 
and he actually invited us to work with the catering and and i think it's been one of the most fruitful collaborations that i've had in my university so very proud of that but it takes time you cannot do it overnight and i again you have to be very patient and that's one thing that entrepreneurs don't have a lot of which is patience but i think you know working in academia as an entrepreneur which kind of like makes me an intrapreneur has made me a lot more patient Mm, that's brilliant i think you really touched upon you know how people can get involved and you mentioned beforehand as well is to just do things and if i may ask then Halle, if people are listening to this podcast and they they're thinking yes i want to get involved in this area i want to bring the or just to enhance entrepreneurship in our university in their university but they don't know how to start it what would be your top tip say Halle's top tip to get it started I would say definitely involve the students and ask the students how they want to do it. These days, students as partners is actually old school, but actually we should always ask the learners, we should always ask the people that we are working with how they like to get involved and do it. And also, you know, kind of entrepreneurship teaching doesn't provide any answers. It supports learners to identify the right questions. So I think we should go back to that support role and ask students. And, and, you know, people say, well, how can you do entrepreneurship in nursing? How can you do entrepreneurship in, you know, I don't know, in something that's not in business school? Well, I've done it with, you know, kind of with nutrition. You know, many people can do it, you know, in art. And I mean, if you ask an entrepreneur to go and work with any, any teams, you can always find an, an element of enterprise education that is you know it can be implemented so you know kind of definitely involve the learners definitely ask them how would you make this this unit this program more entrepreneurial more connected to the outside world the students will tell you I am absolutely sure about this but secondly start small you know nobody expects it to be all singing and dancing maybe kind of like have elements of it within a unit where you ask the students to 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 go and search for some products or some you know or or actually do a, like a little mini competition about you know uh uh you know kind of uh, sort of like something that will make them you know be become a little bit more aware of the of the sort of like external world affecting them and their unit so you know that's on and, and actually how they would how they would do things differently for example if you're an engineer and you're working with a, a certain tools how could you use different tools and and probably the third you know kind of little tip i would say is interdisciplinary uh, work which uh, which keeps that kind of creativity at the highest level you need to be breaking free from the clique of your own colleagues all doing the same thing so you know kind of obviously you know i've broken and worked with the business school i've broken free from my my science colleagues and I've kind of like gone to school of theater and we've done theatrical cooking we've actually gone to a school of uh, architecture and done things like ergonomy gastronomy where you know kind of things were built from um, you know food um kind of uh, ingredients 
um, and, and actually, yeah, sort of like we've done poetry and food. So actually every time that you break free from the known, which is your own little circle of people and it's very inward looking and you kind of like go external and you connect with anyone that has got something to offer to you, that that makes you and your course, you know, more enterprising and entrepreneurial. So it's about, you know, kind of, yeah, breaking some of the old habits of thinking, well, you know, I'm teaching um, pharmacology. There's nothing I can do. Well, in one of the, I think when I went for my National Teaching Fellowship Award, I sat next to someone who had created a virtual pharmacy online and she was linking her course to the rest of the world. And these students were kind of like running a virtual pharmacy. So, you know, to me, as a, you know, somebody doing a science uh, unit or a degree is now fully entrepreneurial, you know, providing a service online, connecting to the world, learning from other people and taking a massive risk. So, you know, it, again, it's not about money. And I, don't, I think, you know, people are still confuse enterprise and entrepreneurial thinking with just making money. It's not that. It's the thinking behind it rather than, you know, the result of it. So if you carry on innovative ways of doing things and really kind of like turn it into a business, yes, you could make money, but it's not always about money making. It's about impact and it's about purpose. Mm, yeah that's definitely and that, that's lots of things that you've mentioned there for us to to really think about and it really especially like the way that you spoke about student partnership I think for me student is always kind of the hearts of things and they are the most important because at the end of the day university is made up of students right and yeah so there's a lot of things so a lot of tips for people to think about and to really apply it to their own institutions and hopefully they too and our listeners can be able to develop something that is similar to you but maybe start small and then grow big as well so if we look ahead into the futures then how do you think your work will evolve in the higher education sector I think uh, partnership is the key. You know, I'm really proud to announce that we have just won an Advanced HE Collaborative Award for Teaching Excellence in, you know, kind of 2020, which is kind of, again, a very uncertain times. And winning this, you know, Advanced HE judges believing that we deserved it has given us a massive, you know, kind of like boost of confidence. And I think the future is all about partnerships. You can never do anything in isolation. And as, a, as an individual, all my greatest, you know, kind of career moments have been when I've collaborated with like-minded, amazing, creative, fast-paced colleagues, but also organizations, you know, social enterprises, charities, you know, shopping centers, museums, and, and actually kind of like bringing all of those, you know, elements into university. So it's not just the university is a multi multi city so that that it's got layers and layers like an onion um so you know students just don't sit in a room and just get like powerpoint presentations but they get to know to do a lot more and even though we've got you know the the sort of that now the remote teaching that we have to now deal with, I think, you know, this opens up to a lot more exciting opportunities as well. So I'm thinking of lots of creative ideas for future and really embracing what has happened to us in the world 
And, and I think that entrepreneurial mindset is now helping me to see some opportunities uh, for bigger collaboration, better collaborations, university collaborations. And, and, you know, there is safety in numbers. And the more you do of the thing that you know, and you inspire other people, and, and you grow your own circle, I think the better you become. So I think the next step for us is to, is to possibly collaborate with a lot more people, even more than we've collaborated now. And, you know, and really, really you know, push the students even further to, to take up the leadership roles, to, to really kind of like come up with some creative ideas. And then, then in my role as the mentor, as the founder, as the, as, the, as, the, as the risk assessment woman, washing up person, I actually have to find ways for them so they can actually shine. It's always been about students. I think when you know your why, the how is always going to be easy. My why has always been a student's. It has always been about young people. What can I do so they've got the best uh, educational experience? What can I do that they always remember what they've done in my units? What can I do to make sure that they always have my best? So, um, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, that will continue because the more, you know, the judges, the people, uh, colleagues, really embrace your creativity, your innovation, your way of doing things and accept you as who you are, the, the, the more, you know, kind of like energetic you become. And again, you become that fearless person that is about, you know, kind of enhancing a student experience. We are all, you know, we are all educators and we all went into education because you know education is one of those jobs where you know you're forever you know kind of like growing people and growing young people and young minds or any minds actually so you know it, it's just it, it's, it's an amazing job to be in so you never get tired of it you get tired of doing certain things within the job you should and never get tired of meeting another cohort of students postgrads undergrads global you know kind of students which again they bring in a lot of their own you know culture and diversity so there is never a dull moment so you know future is going to be more about students even more than now um hopefully you know kind of like with students being able to to just say holly you can go and sit somewhere and read the book while we are actually running the show you never have to worry about anything else so i think that would be my ultimate um, you know kind of like dream that i probably retire which probably never will happen but but actually the students are completely i don't know you know even globally running you know little franchises and actually doing their own thing and they just kind of like come back and celebrate with me oh wow honey i think the students that you have are really lucky to have you and a huge congratulations to your most recent award. And I think there's a lot we can go on. And I think, you know, we chat to you about, about what you do and about the energy that you have for the whole day. But I think because our listeners really want to get to know you more, I think if we end this episode with a short firing round. So I've got a list of questions. They are quite simple and short. So here we go. If you are to pick one learning and or teaching platform or tool, what would it be? I think public engagement. I think public engagement is the best way you can learn. 
That's brilliant. Three words to describe yourself as an educator. Creative, curious, and kind of like high energy. iPhone or Android? iPhone. What do you do to recharge yourself, your energy after a long, stressful day of work? I love art, so I probably visit Hate Modern or you know, kind of or read a, a book around art. And my particular artist I'm interested in is Frida Kahlo and Picasso. So you know, in the, on a bad day for relaxation, these two artists always brings me bring me back to colorful life and you know how I can endure a lot more than I thought I could. Mm. So I guess if we if we can't find you on campus, then we'll know where to find you in the museum. <laughs> yes, Tate Modern in London or Tate Modern in, in Liverpool or actually Victoria and Albert Museum. One of my favourite places on, on, on earth, actually, I have to say. Oh, that's great. So other than your phone, what would be the one best thing, only one best thing to carry around to show students and your colleagues in corridors? A notebook. I've got a notebook that says creative is not who I am, it is what I do. So that notebook is a special notebook that I carry everywhere and I, you know, little ideas down or there's like little doodles and things like that. So students probably will get a chance to look at my notebook. Oh, that's brilliant. What's your favourite hashtags? Creativity, student engagement, education and nutrition. Tea or coffee? Tea. Red or blue? Red, always red. Red, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I've got more. I've got more sure? red, red shoes and red scarves. You know, to last me two lifetimes, not one. <laughs> for those who doesn't know Halle very well, she's everything. It's just red for her. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, favorite food dish. Favorite food dish. Probably Persian uh, Barbary saffron rice, uh, which my mother makes really well. And I think, you know, kind of, yeah, Persian food, any kind of Persian food made by my mother is my favorite food. Ah, uh, that so, makes me hungry now. Um, <laughs> invisibility or super strength? Super strength. All the way? Absolutely, absolutely, yes. I don't want to be invisible. I think, uh, you know, I, I want I want to be visible so that I can connect with people. I love people and people make me who I am. So, um, yeah, I don't want to be invisible. Great. Polka dots or stripes? Stripes, definitely. Black and white stripes all the way. I'm surprised it's not red. Well, black and, you know, black and white stripes really goes well with red scarves and red shoes. <laughs> all right. <laughs> How about your favourite music genre? Probably 80s. I quite like 80s. Any specifics? I, I, God, this is gonna, this is, this is gonna be embarrassing me. Probably, I don't know. Oh God, um, probably, I don't know. I, I, I still, I mean, probably George Michael. I've always loved George Michael. So you know, kind of like, I mean, probably Vam days with the crazy hair dudes and the kind of like onwards. Yeah. So and I do like 90s as well. One of my students once uh, sort of uh, gave me a few um, CDs uh, with the rest of the students in the class. They thought I needed to be educated. So they gave me Vampire Weekend. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there was a big massive screaming at the beginning of it, but I think they've introduced me to some of the, the more contemporary artists. I quite like um, uh, a mixed bag of artists. I can switch 
from Andrea Bocelli to um, classical music to Arabic music to um, you know to to kind of like alternative music. So again, probably eclectic mix. But I do like some of the '80s music. Fantastic! If you could teleport right now, where would you go? To see my mother in in Tehran, in Iran.、Um, I haven't seen her for quite a few months, and、uh, yeah, I miss her more than anybody else at the moment. So teleporting myself to to mom,、uh, yeah, and in her kitchen possibly, where we would break some nice walnuts using her squirrel-shaped、uh, nutcracker. So, which you know, because Persian cooking, Persian breakfast is always、uh, with walnuts in the morning, fresh walnuts. I don't use nutcrackers any other time except when I'm with my mother. I'm not very good at it either, but it's、um, it's it's a fun activity to do first thing in the morning before you have your breakfast. So yeah, I, I think I miss my mom and dad at the moment. So yeah, those mom and dad, and yeah, I wish I could actually do it now talking to you. <laughs> I'm sure you will soon in the future. So how about your favorite learning and teaching hero? Who would it be? My favorite learning and teaching hero. I love Sally Brown. I don't know. She's the queen. And then you've got Field Race. I read Field Race's book very early on in my、um, you know academic career when somebody secretly gave me the the copy and then said you know this is everything you need to know the toolkit.、Um, and and I've actually now got the new version that is written recently. Um, and you know, and actually, you compare the two, and it's lovely to kind of like realize how far I've traveled. And I look at some of the chapters and just think, now I know what it actually means, and I now understand, you know, the the value of feedback. So you know, Sally Brown and Phil Race are like the king and queen, and then obviously our own local hero Chrissy Narazzi for being fearless. Really, kind of like you know, arriving with a fresh breath of air and sparkle and magic, and、uh, yeah, those three, and and obviously my own students actually, they are my my heroes. Every single one of them. I think I've calculated that probably I've had about hundred students per year, so it's about a thousand students I've dealt with. And every single one of them has taught me something new. So every single one of those students is my hero because they've made me better, either by their feedback, by their giggles, by interaction, and you know by their stories after graduation. So yeah, all the students: Chrissy, Sally Brown, and Phil Race. Ah,、oh, that's brilliant, and I'm sure our listeners will now go and see who they are now. <laughs> and. Finally, then the final question is: because our podcast is called the Education Burrito, what's your favourite burrito filling or fillings? I love beans, so you know, kind of like my my little saying in in my lectures is lentils will save the world. So I would probably put some nice, you know, lentils and three different kinds of beans with some nice spicy chili and carrots. You know, great, you know, kind of like tiny little, you know, kind of chopped with、uh, maybe a little bit of onions. And I love avocado. I know they're not the most sustainable, and my students have now allowed. Me to have one a week, so I will probably spend it on your burrito. But I quite like the burrito to be toasted a little bit, so you know, kind of I would put it, you know, under the grill, and and I don't like that much cheese, so I would probably just leave it as it is. I love flavors to be, you know, kind of quite prominent. 
So I, I want to I wanna taste things and I want to have the flavors. So I don't want it to be too cheesy. Yeah, guacamole, you know, kind of maybe some herbs and spices. Maybe a bit of coriander would make it like really exciting. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's like a fusion burrito for me. Uh, I feel like as you're saying that, I'm just like writing down this recipe. So next time I see you, I come up <laughs> trying to have this in my hand. For the <laughs> launch of your, uh, you know, your podcast, you know, kind of like Met Munch can do various burritos burritos that you know people you've interviewed have talked about so we could work on, we could work on that <laughs> well that's all we have time for in this episode and if our listeners want to find out more about what you do Halle how can they do so well I'm on Twitter at at Halle Moravec H-A-L-E-H-M-O-R-A-V-E-J it's a bit like more vegetables so always remember more veg but with a J not a, not a G and Medmunch uh, also is on Twitter at Medmunch we are on Instagram and Facebook as well and Met is Metropolitan and Munch is obviously munching and my my email account um, at the university is h.moravish at mmu.ac.uk so please drop me an email or just find me on Twitter or any other social media channels and I will be happy to support you or at least tell you that you will be fine and you know life as an entrepreneur is never dull that's brilliant and again a big massive thank you to you Halle Moravec for sharing with us you know your work that you do and all the very best with we've met much in the future thank you thank you Q thank you so much for your time and tuning into the education burrito make sure to hit the subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening on so you'll never miss a show so be sure to like it and share it on social media tagging us at hashtag the education burrito we are always looking to engage with a wide group of staff and students in our community. So if you fancy coming onto the show, do drop us a message as we unwrap learning and teaching in the Education Burrito.